0: welcome back to another episode of and another thing the only show that makes david hurley stay up late at night sweating because he's so worried about us from the hurley burley see tony there's another one of those free plugs that we just gave i
1: know we're just we're so good to those people. we're so kind so kind
0: the giving never stops my name's jody jenkins i'm tony clement and we're excited i mean i i know i'm i don't want to sound like i'm repetitive or going overboard with my accolades for you but week in week out you're hitting home runs with the guests well,
1: thank you it's uh, it's it's great to uh, uh kids uh, we have a term called rolodex uh, i know that that's not in use anymore but uh i've got a good contact list let's put it that way but i do want to acknowledge right off the top because this is our first recording uh after uh, all of the events. Uh, involving Black Lives Matters and uh, the the protests and the riots and uh, and of course uh, George Floyd's uh, untimely and tragic uh, murder uh, and so uh, I think we should acknowledge that this is a legitimate issue that uh, is playing out not only in the United States of America but also in Canada and we're having uh, adult discussions in both countries about systemic racism which should should occur those discussions should occur in my opinion and uh uh i also acknowledge that protest is legitimate i i don't think rioting and damage and violence is legitimate but certainly protest is legitimate and uh uh if we can i believe canada is the best country in the world that's my that's my bias but we're also a country that that needs to get to be better and to uh to be more inclusive of people who are feeling excluded and who feel that there is systemic racism in our society. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. And uh, uh, I think that uh, obviously this is going to be a topic that will continue. And I know, Jody, you're working on a guest for us that can talk specifically to these issues. And uh, I'd be very excited if he agreed to come on our program.
0: Yeah, well, and I I couldn't couldn't say it better myself, Tony, and I appreciate uh, you sharing those thoughts. And I think they uh, are a great summary of, uh, of of my feelings as well. And yeah, we're working on uh, bringing. Uh, he's a professional wrestler, musician, influencer. His name's Leo Rush. Uh, he currently lives in Orlando, Florida, but uh, he has some amazing stories uh, of what he's gone through uh, in, in this, right. in his situations, his day to day life. And I think he would definitely bring some valuable perspective. Uh, he also happens to be a client of mine with uh, another company that I run. So we're excited about uh, getting Leo on in the near future. But I'm going to let you now introduce another amazing. See, now, I, I, want, I want to go back for a second because I, I pumped your tires huge there about all the amazing <laughs> guests. And I don't want to put pressure on you or our guest, but I know that this one will be hit out of the park as well. But let's let's go for a home run, not a triple. And I'll, I'm going to let you introduce him.
1: Well, thank you, Jody. And it is my pleasure to introduce to, and another thing, podcast, another great guest, Mr. Greg Lyle, who is the president and founder of the Innovative Research Group. He comes to us from Vancouver. I've known Greg, oh gosh, I don't know, one, probably 30 years now. Uh, and he is an excellent, excellent researcher and pollster. Greg, welcome to the
2: program. Thanks so much.
1: So, Greg, uh, you're a pollster not much happening in the world these days (laughs) uh, pretty (laughs) quiet (laughs) quiet. yeah very quiet but i'm sure you've uh, i know you've done uh some research since covid 19 has hit the country about uh, attitudes towards uh, leadership and uh, authority um can you can you tell us a little bit about how things are going over for our leaders during covid 19
2: sure um The key thing is that we're having what's called a a rally around the flag event. Uh, So this actually originated, uh, the term originated in the U.S., and it sort of described the way Americans uh, support their president in a crisis. So things like um, 9-11, when they get involved in in wars, uh, the approval for the president usually goes up. And what we're seeing here for pretty much every leader in this country to some degree is that their approval ratings have gone up. In some cases, it's been transformative. So if you look at the reaction of Ontarians to Doug Ford, it's completely flipped. He went from being one of the least popular premiers in this country to being one of the most uh, popular uh, just in the way that he's responded to this crisis. But you know, every premier has gone up, some to uh, a lesser degree. So, for instance, um, uh, looking at Jason Kenney in Alberta, um, he struggled at, uh, you know, sort of four weeks, six weeks ago in Alberta and the way he was responding. Um, and they, they got hit with some very big outbreaks. Um in terms of meatpacking plants, things like that. So um initially they uh fell behind the other provinces, but they've uh come back up in recent weeks. Um and then you look at, at uh premiers uh like Legault in Quebec, who uh started out uh extremely strong and they got even stronger. Uh he's faded in the past few weeks, but he's still one of the most popular premiers in the country.
1: Doug Ford is just an amazing story. You you alluded to that, but uh, uh, he was generally acknowledged to have the worst first year of any premier in modern history and uh, was, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm making this up, but I thought he was in the low 20s in terms of approval at one point. And now uh, it's like he's, he's baking cheesecakes. Uh, he's taken on landlords. He's uh, he's uh he's the guy that empathizes is it and, and can you measure that i mean it, one of the things i've been saying is uh ford has got the empathy thing figured out he he empathizes with people people see him as being on their side is is that part of the attraction do you think
2: um well i think the the big thing uh, i think it is part of that um I'm not sure that they would all say he's on their side, but I think that they all feel, or the vast majority of that they would feel that Doug Ford gets, uh, gets what happens to real people, and he cares about what happens to real people. Um, now, that said, there's still a fundamental ideological chasm. So many of the people that tell us that they like the job he's doing in COVID-19 are very quick to add, but I would never vote for him. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when you look at, at sort of the political implications of what's going on, um, it's important in Ontario because it's, it's made the election a race, but it's a race where in most of our polling, not all of it, but most of it, um, we have the Tories close, but behind the liberals. The interesting thing in Ontario is that, um, what you get depends on how you ask the question. And when I say how you ask it, I don't mean the words. I mean whether you ask on phone or online. Hmm. Um, So almost everyone that does online polling does online polling out of panels of people that like to do lots of polls. And so those people um, spend more time thinking about politics than the average person. And so their reaction in polling To the trends that are going on is, you know, a fancy word for it would be sticky. They're slower to change. Uh, but when you call people on telephone, you randomly get anyone who doesn't know something better to do than doing a poll. And so you get a lot of people that have not talked about politics lately. And those people are a lot have a, a lot stronger influence from what they've read, seen, or heard lately. And mm-hmm. so trends become more exaggerated when you look at telephone results. So in our telephone results, the Tories are actually ahead in Ontario. Interesting. So that's more of the, uh,
1: the larger audience. Interesting. Tell us about Justin Trudeau in your polling, and how he's doing.
2: Uh, well, he started off slow, and his, his, this, his biggest problem to start with was in Quebec, and it was over the issue of uh, how you manage travelers as they come in into the province. Uh, Quebec went through their um, spring break earlier. They had a lot more Travel outside of the province to other countries going on in the rest of the country, and so how you dealt with people coming back was particularly critical there. And it was one of the reasons why Legault, um had such a strong initial response was doing things like putting uh, the Quebec police in the airport, um, letting people know when they came back what was expected of them. When the federal government didn't take those actions, and so that that really a wrong-footed Trudeau, uh, but they responded to it. They saw they had a problem. They responded to it in the middle of March and since then they've recovered, but they still trail the provinces in a typical poll by, say, six points in terms of approval, but it's still very high approval, uh, 60% or higher, um, and Trudeau's benefited from that. So you know, when we ask questions like who's the best to be prime minister in Canada, uh, Trudeau's at 50%. His favorables now recovered and are uh, positive really for the first time since SNC Lavalin. Uh, and you can put, you, you contrast that to his his opponents and he looks even stronger, mm-hmm. right? So you look at, uh, Shear is just in the tank now. Yes. We take favorables and subtract the unfavorables to get in that score just to simplify things when we're looking across um, different subgroups. Uh, Shear right now has 30%, over 30% more unfavorables than favorables. <laughs> and both of the leaders to replace him, O'Toole and McKay, are both looking at, at negative scores, but better negative scores. They're <laughs> in the range of 10% more people disliking them than liking them. Wow
1: so that's uh that's a, a a that's a trough that they have to climb out of whoever the next leader is for sure do you and think it, that it's it, but it's
2: ahead. a challenge right because they're not done their leadership right they've right. got another 3 months of of trying to win the hearts and minds of the tory base and the tory base is far to the right yeah. of the average person in the public right so and what they're trying to do is they're micro
1: uh, communicating, and uh that is isn't necessarily working with a larger population. But uh, yeah, if you're a le- if you're a leadership candidate, that's that's all you can do. You've got to you got to. Well,
2: no, there there is actually another road they could be taking, but for some reason they're not. Um, what's, the, what's that? So, road? well, you've been in leaderships, Tony, and you know that one of the key things that leadership voters are looking for is someone that can win the next election. Right. Right. So you can spend time sort of pandering to the extreme views of, of people in the base, or you can just show them they're a winner by being more effective than the other guys at holding the government to account. So, you know, if you, you think about what's going on federally, uh, we're starting, we're now um, moving out of the initial phase of doing what public health officials tell us, which is relatively nonpartisan, and moving into uh, partisan issues, like how much debt do we incur? Uh, What's the right approach to stimulating economic growth? Um, How do we help correct the economic damage? There are are left-wing and right-wing approaches to these things. Um, So, you know, for instance, uh, there's a big lobby on led by uh, Gerald Butts, who's, uh, you know, Politico, the conservative base people love to hate, um, where he's – his his group is arguing that the federal government should be, um, as they spend money to help deal with the economic damage of COVID-19, that they should put conditions on to try and achieve green goals. Right. Um, yeah. And when you look at that, that's, for the average person in the public, uh, a fairly popular thing to do. It's not a slam dunk. It's sort of a 50-40 rate. Right? Um, okay. 50% saying it would be good to put uh, environmental strings on 40% saying, um, it's an emergency, just focus on saving jobs. Um, but the, there's a, there's a, a, an angle in there. Like if you're the Tories, you need to win. Where do you need to win? You need to win in nine Oh five. Um, what happened the last time, um, Uh, a government that listened to Jerry Betts tried to put strings on to get environmental benefits. And you look back at the green energy act in Ontario, the nine Oh five hates the green energy act. They can't stand paying the bills that they're currently paying for electricity. It it drives them crazy. Um, And uh, you know, right now the the provincial government is subsidizing electricity rates by around 30% in Ontario in part to offset the anger that grew and helped led to the defeat of Kathleen Wynn. Right. So, um, you know, the opportunity to say, we need to stop Trudeau from doing what Wynne and, and McGinty did to your electricity rates. And the same guys asking them to do the same thing, ask yourself how well that worked last time. That's, that is red meat for the base, but it's also red meat for swing voters. Um, and it would, it would, it would, be the sort of message as a Tory that would put the Liberals on the defensive in swing ridings. Um, so why not talk about that? Why would you pander to social conservatives or, you know, Yeah, I think that, that
1: uh, yeah, I think what they're doing, I, first of all, there's a couple of impediments this time. First of all, Parliament isn't sitting. So as a member of Parliament, Aaron O'Toole can't use that uh, that forum, and as a non-member of parliament, it's not even available to Peter McKay. So that's a first problem. Second problem is you have this big elephant in the room of these huge stories, whether it's Black Lives Matter or whether it's COVID-19, and it's sucking all the oxygen out of the room. But I will say this about the leadership candidates. They have cottoned on to another issue that's popular with the base that is gaining traction with the public, and I'd like your comments on this, and that is our relationship with the People's Republic of China. Uh, and um, all of the aspects of that, Huawei and 5G and supply chain management and uh, generally China being the bully in Hong Kong and uh, and around the world. So uh, are you detecting that amongst the general public as
2: well? No, we're not yet. Um, It's something we're actually going to dig into in more detail, but it's not something that the public is shoving in front of us as an issue that we have to deal with doesn't pop up in a lot of verbatims. There's another angle to that, by the way, that's particularly relevant here in uh, BC, which is fentanyl, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you have most of the fentanyl that comes in this country comes from China, which is, as we all know, a police state that has no problem tracking down all sorts of nefarious activity like the way you worship. Um, But you know, when it comes to tracking down the people that are producing this drug that's killing people in Canadian streets daily, um, the Chinese government does not act. Um, and, you know, that's that's yet another uh, arrow in the quiver in terms of dealing with China. Um, I mean, you can see now that, that companies are sort of uh, acting in anticipation of where they think the politics is going to go. So we saw yesterday uh, or the day before, two of Canada's major um, telecommunications company announcing that they'll be using uh, Ericsson products and Nokia products for uh, their 5G network. So they're starting to see where the puck is
1: going. Um, Can I ask about populism? I think you tweeted out at some point that you saw populism trending down
2: as a political force. Yeah, and there's there's relatively few fundamental changes as a result of COVID-19. It's really quite a surprise that there's not more. Um, but the one thing that is changing is people um, are, are more willing uh, to trust in experts to make choices in government. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's flipped. It, it, we had uh, almost half of all Canadians saying that we should uh, trust in the common sense of the average person rather than... Rely on experts. It's now flipped. or almost half are saying we should rely on experts, mm. um, and that is that is a very big deal. Um, populism in Canada is not the same as populism in the rest of the world, um, because in the populism is is a, a pretty simple idea, which is you know when it comes to making the final choice, who should make it, average people or experts. That's that's the basic concept, but it gets colored. other things to come in. And so, for instance, nativism, the sense of we're better than other people and other people are scary, Um, anti-globalism, those sort of things uh, very much uh, color the way that uh, populists in the U.S. and Europe uh, speak. But in Canada, our populism has tended to be much less connected to that, more than about the style of government then about these sort of darker threads and you know you think about the reform party you think about the CCF you think about the social credit movement I mean we've had waves of populism going back to the United Farmers in World War I mm-hmm. and our populism has all been of that um, you know American progressive ilk as opposed to the darker populism that we see uh, typically in Central Europe for example
1: mm-hmm. Jody Jenkins, do you have uh, any comments or questions for our guest?
0: Well, the only thing I was curious to know, if we went back a little bit to the um, our leadership, conservative leadership discussion, if you see a path or what kind of info are you hearing on the ground about uh, Leslyn Lewis, who seems to be gaining momentum, I'm just curious, is that, is that sustainable? Do you think she's got an outside chance at anything?
2: I think it's it would be very difficult for her to make it to the final ballot. I, I just think that O'Toole has so much stronger an initial base and has had so much stronger, well, from what we hear, so much stronger membership drive. I mean, you know, maybe she's going to do what Patrick Brown did and on the Ontario leadership, and when we find out the new membership members, we'll find out that she, uh, you know, just exceeded all expectations And has a chance of being on the final ballot. But it it seems most likely from what insiders are saying um, that based on the membership drive and, uh, you know, the reaction of the existing base to the candidates, that the final ballot will be O'Toole versus McKay.
0: And, Greg, if we commissioned you to do a poll, uh, could you find out how many listeners we have for our show?
2: (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure the technology tells you. (laughs)
0: No. <laughs> it's oh, the beauty we're, of you're we're in, in big trouble then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well let's see if we can change that with this episode no it's it's a good it's a good cast i think you're you're building momentum oh, exactly that's thank you, that's, the thank we you. Say. that's what we say thank you <laughs> we're number 33
1: in myanmar now uh, yeah. can, can we can we talk i know you've done a With lot the of research into uh the environment versus uh, you the and I, i'm distilling things down but the environment right. versus energy trade-off and what's right. going on in canadian minds on that
2: yeah and that's been another one where we've seen a shift not as dramatic as on um, populism um but um you know, so a lot of people are conflicted on what's more important, environment versus economy. People think they're both important, but at any given time, at some point in time, you have to make a choice on particular issues. And so, we ask a trade-off question as a, a regular thing. And for the past year or so, we've typically been seeing. 48 49 occasionally 50 or 51 percent saying the environment is more important than the economy with the economy down topping out at say 40 percent, but very often it's sort of 38 or 39 so typically a 10 point lead of environment over economy it's neck and neck now for the past couple waves we've had um three waves of 44% for the environment and 42 or 43% for the economy so it's basically neck and neck right now and that varies pretty dramatically by region so in the places that have been uh suffering economically like alberta and saskatchewan um it's much more strongly economy over environment in places that have a you know a stronger environmental ethos like quebec it's more likely to be environment versus economy.
1: There's an
2: sort of in the middle. Uh, well, BC has more intense environmentalists than most of the rest of the country, but overall, it's uh, pretty close to the national average. So that so the the greens that we have in in BC tend to be more intense, which explains and they're they're also focused, right? So. Um, people look at B.C. from outside of B.C. and, and they see it all as one big um, entity. But really, um, Vancouver Island is very different from the lower mainland, which is different from the interior. And Vancouver Island is really the heart of the, the green movement in B.C. and And you can see that because they're electing Greens to Parliament. Sure.
1: Who leads the economy, business or government? I know you've done some research on that.
2: Yeah, and it's it's clearly um, the, the lead actor for most Canadians should be business. They believe business creates growth, business creates jobs. That doesn't mean that they don't think there's a strong role for government. They see two roles for government. Uh, one role for government is cop on the block. Um, so for a lot of people, even though they see business as the leader, It's a lesser of evils sort of thing. So we have these sort of left liberals. They uh, prefer uh, to create opportunity rather than redistribute wealth, but they just don't trust profit. So they see it as a means to an end, but as a means that they just don't trust. So they want the cop on the block to keep business honest. And then the second thing that's a, a, a big limiting factor for conservatives winning in Canada um, is that people want government to roll up their sleeves and help, whether that 's with training programs or trade programs um, they want government to help business create these jobs they don 't want a small government they don 't say that that you know government works best when it it uh, governs with a light hand. They like government right in the middle of that, and that really defines a really key group in Canada, which are business circles. They're people that trust the profit motive, they believe in putting an opportunity over redistribution, um, but they like an active government that gets involved in the economy. So if you think about the one time in the past 30 years the Conservatives won a majority with Stephen mm-hmm. Harper, they won it with the Canada Jobs Action Plan. They had mm-hmm. an actual active agenda for government to help. Um, and that's that's really key. It's a, a sort of a free enterprise approach with an active government partner, um, not a redistributive approach, um, but not a small government approach either. That's sort of the sweet spot if you want to form government in Canada winning over business liberals.
1: Uh, I know you haven't had time to do any Black Lives Matter uh, polling uh, after the uh, the murder of George Floyd. But you have done some baseline polling on Canadian attitudes uh, to racism and discrimination. Is there anything you can share with us at this time of crisis that we're facing uh, in North America?
2: Sure. I mean, uh, there are two things that we know uh, coming into this. One is that discrimination is alive and well in Canada. Um, there are many sources of it, right? It is it is race, um, but it's also sexual orientation. It's also gender um there's a number of groups out there who feel discriminated against um and you know when we ask people um do you experience discrimination in your day-to-day life somewhere in the sort of mid 20s as low as 22% as high as 27% tell us that every day they experience discrimination um and so that's that's a big fact that is a lot of people in this country um yeah. And the other thing that we've done is that we've taken a look at, at, at some of these groups that experience discrimination <coughs> to see whether and how they've been impacted by COVID-19. And what we're finding, for instance, uh, we did a study with a gal looking at the LGBTQ uh, community and we found that they are disproportionately feeling uh, the impact of uh, COVID-19. So you have those sort of two things together. You have you know, sort of an ongoing challenge of discrimination in Canada with some of the groups that are experiencing that discrimination having an even diff- more difficult time than the average Canadian because of COVID-19. And it really uh, creates a moment uh, for, you know, you see this spark in the United States. Um, it's got an echo in Canada. And so people are reacting to that jody jenkins i'm going to give you the last
1: word with our very special guest mr greg lyle the president and founder of innovative research
0: group greg i want to know what's the chances that trump is successful again with re-election
2: well you know up until the past few weeks they were pretty good unfortunately in my view um but he um you know there's he's changed right and and americans are far angrier at the federal government than we are in Canada. Just at a fundamental level, there's sort of 20% more anger at the way uh, the federal government spends money and behaves than we see here. Um, and so that he's been that that voice of change, but he's just so out of step on the reaction to um, the marches, the reaction to. Um, the uh you know to the the killings that have been going on. He just um you know hasn't he he's losing people you and and people that have been very reluctant, right? So military, former military leaders now coming out against him. Um but we'll see. I mean he's had a lot of moments like this in the past. I mean just go back to the you know grab him comment in the, the presidential race. He had has had Countless moments where people said, Well, this was the one. Yeah. This is the top this is the straw that broke the camel's back. But the election's not today. No. Right? The election's not until the fall. And um the underlying anger that he's tapped into isn't going away.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you mean, think, it, it, and, sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Jones. No, yeah, I was go just ahead. gonna
0: say just Greg quickly though, do you think it would be again, this is my opinion. I think do P, is there a lot of people that look at trump say they can't support him but then look over at joe biden and go well there's no way that guy is a choice either or is it more uh,
2: no that's exactly how he won last time yeah right? he didn't that. win yeah like his his incremental vote didn't vote for him because they thought he was great they vote for voted for him because they just looked at hillary clinton yeah. and the the controversies that were occurring right up until election day and they just went I I cannot bring myself to vote for more of the same, and she is more of the same. I have to vote for change, even if it's crazy change. I'm going to rely on the rest of the system to contain him, but I'm going to throw him in there just to shake things up. And that's, and that's his position right now. He's saying, you know this This thing is hard to break up i've been working for four years, but i've only just cracked the surface. Yeah. If you still believe it's time for change, I'm still your guy, yeah he's still going to be the change candidate. he's still going to
1: go on make America great again rather yeah. than keep yeah. America great again because that's he, he wants to be the outsider, not the insider
2: yeah oh well, and he clearly is the outsider,
1: yeah, and you know i uh, the, my political axiom through my political life was always people can vote for change, but they don't like to vote for chaos and if 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 that axiom is true then trump is in trouble but everything every political rule that i've learned in in 25 years of elected politics trump just ignores them all so i I don't i don't even know how to how to project that or predict that anymore
2: yeah i'm i'm 100 with you and i think um you know biden is a relatively weak candidate (laughs) uh he has lots of baggage um and uh you know, as weak as Trump is, it's not really about Trump. It's no. about the anger that Americans feel. And and put that aside, the, um, the other thing is, if you look at the economic record of his government, uh, there's a lot of conservatives that are really happy with the things that he does, even if they think he's a barbarian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note,
1: <laughs> Greg
2: Lyle, Ah, uh, thank you for joining
1: us on and another thing podcast. It's great to have uh, your uh, research and uh, the ability to have your your mind and your analysis on these very important issues. And uh, as we certainly hope, we can have you back on the show.
2: Well, thanks so much, and thanks to your listeners for bearing with us.
0: So there you have it, a home run, Tony. For for well, that couple, was very interesting. Yeah, it yeah. was. For a couple seconds, I was worried we were looking at a double or a triple. But you hit it out of the park again. So,
1: <laughs> Well, whatever, whatever we're in need of that talking uh, points, uh, we can just talk about Trump. This over. <laughs> That's what, what every podcast does, I'm afraid. When
0: in doubt, defer to Trump. Um, one thing I did want to just touch on, because I know a lot of people, it's been coming up a lot, and that is to, to do with um, coronavirus and these protests that are going on. And I know you yeah. and I have talked about this. On the phone, we've had some chats prior to the shows. But I think there's a mood that people are really getting upset with what I would call hypocritical behavior. Because right now, and again, you said at the beginning, and I agree, I have no issues with protests, peaceful protests. I mean, obviously, the rioting, looting. uh, Fortunately, we're not seeing that in in Canada to a certain extent. But uh, that's not welcomed. I don't think it's appropriate. But the protests, uh, that's the right. I guess my problem is that... Our Premier Doug Ford, has the audacity to call out people that are asking for the economy to be reopened a group of say fifteen twenty on the the lawn at queen 's Park has the audacity to call them out say he 's shocked, but doesn 't say a word about one thousand two thousand five hundred people shoulder to shoulder uh, walking down the street or at a rally and so he Yeah, I I, I, it's really I think it's sending mixed messages to people that want to see their loved ones and see this going on. Right.
1: You know, and this is here's Tony Clement's theory about human behavior. I've talked about this in the past. Uh, We uh, we get signals and we look around, you know, uh, uh, I I noticed uh, about six weeks ago, more cars on the road when I was on the road to go to the grocery store or something. Oh. Okay, I guess there's more cars on the road. I guess that means I can go. I can go to more places now. You know, it's a signal that you're getting. And so, uh, when you have this situation where there are people protesting, legitimately, legally, because of an issue that they feel passionately about it, as they should, the other the other part of people's brain is, well, if people are out there doing that, then it's okay for me to visit my pal. So I, I think that the horse is out of the barn now. I mean, you can have as many restrictive rules as you want, but. Um,
0: well, yeah, and I, I mean, I are- think even as law enforcement, like you're saying, like, I, and I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sure someone could take this out of context, but I'm not trying to make light of it. But right now, if I was to say, hey, I'm going to invite 50 of my buddies over for a barbecue and we're going to have a guest speaker about some of the current situations going on, is that OK? Or and would the, would I get ticketed? Knowing that there's a rally down in our market square, which, again, I have no issues with, but there's a gathering of more than five people, could be 200 shoulder to shoulder, and technically that's not allowed. So I, I just, that's, that's, the, that's where I have a lot of difficulty. It's, it's, it's frustrating
1: it's frustrating because people have a sense, an underlying sense of fairness, and they're willing to abide by the rules if everybody is abiding by the rules. But as soon as there are big gaps in the rules, people start to say, okay, I'm not going to be a chump here. Uh, I'm going to do what I, I'm going to make my own risk assessment uh, and do what I think uh, I can do without taking too many risks.
0: Yeah, Ford Ford, Ford needs to come out and say, look, be smart. If you want to go out and see people, do it. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So.
1: Pre- Premier Jody Jenkins. Has that's right. It. That's right.
0: All right, Tony. Well, as always, thanks so much for, uh, your bang up work on this program. And we look forward to, uh, another, another hot topic in seven more days. We've got some great ones coming
1: up, so I'm looking forward to it too.